Cast. It's common among every, like everyone, everyone has this, you know, that Stephen King and, you know, the people that are quite well known still have limiting beliefs and, and shadows. But what we can do to work with that resistance is, and the biggest thing that I've found in my own personal work that helps me with my shadows is to shine light on them because what they really want is to be seen to be acknowledged. And from there, that's almost, I mean, there's other things you can do to integrate the energy, but really that's like the biggest thing is to, to see it. It gets to be heard and seen, and then it sits in the back seat. It's not driving the car. Your, you know, your, your spirit, your higher self is driving the car, <laughs> you know, not the shadow. Welcome beautiful beings to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast with your host, Harrison Ma. This podcast sets the loving intention of creating the mystical space needed to pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. Now let's walk you home to your cosmic spiritual heart space. Before we continue this beautiful chat today, wonderful souls, I need to jump in here to share something really exciting. If you've been following these episodes or you've been following me on social media, you know that I am in the process of releasing my first book, Your Cosmic Love Antenna, Define, Embody, and Emit Your Unique Frequency of Love. And at the time of this episode release, pre-orders are now open. If you have been pulled to this show, if you're looking to understand the what, the how, and the why of love, if you're looking to apply some of the tools connected to your chakras in a child, releasing religious trauma, ancestral healing, emotional release, and so much more, then this beautiful expression from my heart to yours is for you. If you are looking to channel more of your unique gifts and the divine frequency that you are, these pages will open all of this up. And if you're interested, all you need to do is go to cosmicloveantenna.com. That's cosmicloveantenna.com. And you can pre-order this book right now. If you pre-order, click on that link, put in your email, you're going to get access to some special gifts that I'm only offering to those who get in before I release it fully. These gifts are going to be some more channeled meditations, activations, and some other surprises from my heart to yours. So head over to cosmicloveantenna.com, pre-order this beautiful expression. And I can't wait to hear how it shifts your life. If you're listening to this after pre-order sales, that same link can be also used to go to the direct purchase link. Sending love, and I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode today. Good morning, evening, afternoon, beautiful mystical beings. Welcome back to the show and... An interesting conversation today, an interesting chat and cosmic dance. I will get the pleasure of having with the beautiful guest who I'll introduce in a moment here. But as always, before I get into that, a quick reminder for all of the new listeners and returning tribe. If this conversation hits your heart today, please remember you can share it out far and wide with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your comments, your feedback, your reviews over on Apple and Spotify. This helps us build the show. And make sure you listen to the end of this chat today because we're going to get into some deep dives within birthing your beautiful book and connecting into your spiritual channel. So make sure you soak all of it up. With that, I do have the powerful Nikki Starcat Shields here today. She is a loving author, a writing coach, and a book midwife. And the latter of which is really what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about what this really means to the book from a spiritual lens, what intention and meditation, shadow work, channeling, what are some misconceptions around all of this, and so much more. Nikki, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm uh, I'm excited too, my friend. I'm not just excited because, you know, I've had the had some time now to tune into your energy and I think you're a beautiful being and I, I just want to share you with everyone but also because you know this is really a big part of me scratching my own itch at the moment where in my journey so I'm excited to you know just be here with you let's start Nikki with I think before I get into all things 
books and writing. I uh, your your current soul and your history is interesting, and you know you're not just an author, you're not just a a book midwife. You also have a bit of background in you know spiritual connection, spiritual arts. You're a a pagan priestess, and please correct correct me if I'm wrong. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that and your and more specifically how did you awaken to this spiritual side of yourself well it was i think one of the best gifts that my parents gave me is that i was raised not in any religious tradition mm. they were kind of agnostic and and had been turned off by some of the traditional christianity that um my dad's mom was interested in and and so they just let me explore whatever was interesting me. And um, they did that with that was is kind of paired with creativity too, because they did that with books. I was b- sort of brought into this life already a bookworm <laughs> and, and you know, got into reading very young and uh, they just really let me read whatever I want. And so um, my own spiritual, I, I wouldn't have called it spirituality at the time, but my own um, leanings were towards nature and um, towards animals and um, really stories, stories. And for, and for people that don't know, you live in Maine. So I do. And Maine, <laughs> Maine is what, 80%, 90% forest and, forest, and yeah. woods, right? Yeah. And we, and we lived in an area where I could just go out into the backyard and go into the woods with a book often or a notebook and just play and imagine and, um, and just really absorb the energy of, of nature. So when I went to um, university, um, also in Maine, about three hours from where I lived, so I went up to University of Maine and and lived on campus. Um, I it was a class. At, and now that I'm thinking about this, there was a class that I took in Greek philosophy and mythology, and. Um, after reading some of the hymns and the Homeric hymns to the different gods and goddesses, I was really struck by a connection with goddesses in particular. Mm. And um, our assignment was to write a poem, kind of what would be our own sort of version of that. And I wrote this poem about the moon and Artemis and just, you know, something that kind of came from, from deep within. And that was, that was the beginning of an awakening to, Oh, you know, I don't have to belong to a traditional religion to have a spiritual connection. So. That was, led to, of course, a lot of book reading. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's it's interesting. I was telling you, Nikki, and I want to share this for the listeners' sake. I was telling you that I um I I did a semester abroad at the University of Maine. And uh, you know, I close my eyes and I and I go back there and I can just, you know, I, as you're explaining this, I can picture it perfectly what that life would be like for you, right? And I could picture it perfectly, not just because I spent time there, but because I think there's a lot of similarities between main life and you know rural Australian life in terms of the relationship we have with nature, right? It's I think for most people, even people listening to this podcast, that relationship isn't there, right? That relationship to to Mother Earth, to the woods, to the the bush, to the animals, it's it's disconnected, right? And there's no judgment on that if you're if you're listening and that isn't there, but what it is is an understanding that that's God too, right? Nature and and the animal world, that's just there's just as much divinity in that as there is in these belief systems, as there is in, you know, sitting on my meditation mat. And I think, and I want to get your reflections on this, but I think if you're a child growing up and you're still learning what what spirituality and and God is, that's a really good place to start, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, the, the converse is kind of true. I have a friend who um, had gotten into paganism and was talking about how, you know, the real things, the trees and the the, the um, lakes and, you know, this is the real stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but everything that's here on this planet comes from this planet. You know, the cars and the highways and the malls and the, that's all. Yes, we've manipulated it to a certain degree. And there's some sense in which it might not be as alive as uh you know a boulder like cement versus a boulder but it's part of nature still yeah so yeah everything there's god in everything i love that yeah yeah well thank you for that a little bit of background my friend and i think it really it allows now everyone to sort of drop back in drop into your heart even deeper let's let's get into the theme of this chat today and 
as you alluded to in your in your upbringing and your growth you are an author you're a writer but you've sort of which i think is beautiful you've intertwined this this spiritual essence of what you are into this writing process not just within your own work but to help other people so let's let's start surface level and then go deeper how would you define to someone that's new what a book midwife is a book midwife so if you were going to have a child um you could um absolutely have your child all by yourself you you could do that people do have done that for thousands of years right but chances are you'd like to have some support and so there are ways in which uh writing a book especially your first book if you've never done it before is like birthing a baby um and having the support that you need there with someone who's done it before someone who knows some tools and tricks to help is really is really helpful so what i do is i work with people and also so many people have an idea for a book like i i would i don't know the exact percentage but i'd you know say maybe like 70 percent of people have said oh i should write a book about such such and such and very very few actually even begin to write it and that's because it's it's scary i think it's a huge undertaking you're comparing what you're maybe you've started to try to write a little bit and you're comparing that with a full-fledged book that's been edited and printed and you know perfected and you know you're you're bound to feel some um self-doubt around that so what i do is i i work with people who are just at that place where they have an idea they may have written some notes they may have tried but they're like i want to do this but i don't know how mm. and i help them to write it and for me you know as you picked up on spirituality and creativity come from a very similar place within us we're, we're all born as creative in whatever realm um, I've had people say to me, well, I'm not creative. And what they mean is that they don't paint or write or draw or sing. But, we, we, you know, we sort of narrowed that, like, this is the arts and this is everything else. But those people do bake and raise children and yeah, create you know, businesses. And Yeah, know. Nikki, that's, so probably, that's probably my favorite misconception and limiting belief to break is yeah. I'm not creative. And mm. I want to just put this out there for people listening what what do you think is the energy force that's holding on to your limitations right we we're creating but most of us are creating our boxes that we start stuck within most of us are creating mm. the masks that we keep on that keep us small right the energy that is behind the holding on of the belief of i'm not creative or i can't write a book or i can't you know step out into the world to share my voice that's creation mm -hmm. energy. So it's, mm -hmm. we, I love, I'm gonna, I think that's probably going to be the start of the show in terms of spiritual essence and creation are the same thing. And it could not be more true because nothing, no one can take your creativity away except for you if you're putting the blocks in front of it, right? Yeah. And a lot of where we're, we sort of unlearn our creativity is in school. Uh, if we go to conventional schools. Yeah. So we're, we're taught to conform and to sound like the, the textbook and to answer the questions. And so if you really want to unlock your creativity and you're having a, a challenging time, go back to when you were, think back to when you were a young, young child, what were your preferences? I feel like we all come in with these these preferences, right? And mine were books and cats and forests, you know, but someone else's might have been fashion and, you know, design and, you know, just, we're all we have these preferences that we're sort of schooled to tone down or well, we go, I guess in this culture we go either one of two ways. It's either tone down and conform and make a living or go for this one thing with all your might and energy yeah. and don't do anything else. And I think yeah. either of those is unbalanced. Yeah. Know? It's yeah. um in both of those examples, the imbalance is between the masculine and the feminine, right? We're mm. either we're either too flowing in the heavens, stuck too much in the feminine, or mm. we're only in the masculine, fitting into the boxes and not really understanding our intuitive expansion, right? So, but let's let me get back to what you just said about the education system because that that's I want to break that down for a second here because it's it's so important for people listening to understand. And you you said. A moment ago you gave a percentage of 70 percent of people have a book inside of them and i would actually i would lovingly challenge that i would say it's probably more than that because whether whether it's going to form into a physical book or a a physical audio book or a physical digital kindle book 
I think that is just a layer. And I would actually assert that we all have a story to share, right? We all have something to channel through us to then, you know, give into the world. And which is one, why I wanted to do this show, because I know a lot of people listening are light workers and healers, and they have so much to share with the world. But the education system, like you beautifully highlighted, puts us down one channel. So I guess I want to ask you here, Nikki, for the people listening that, you know, do want to start writing and and birthing this book, how do we start to break free from that, you know, indoctrination, that that system that's deep inside of us? My favorite way to do this, and this is my favorite writing tip of all, is to teach yourself to not write and edit at the same time. So this is what we learn in school. We learn to write something, compose it, make it sound generic like the textbook, make it perfect, your spelling is good, da 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 da. And even when we're taught to do drafts, we're still it's still very regimented and and you know, uh Roman numeral 1 and then letter A and then da da da. But what I like to advise people to do first is to just go into and we often go into guided meditation or some way of like dropping in, go into that sort of right brained, free, childlike self and just let yourself write. A lot of times it helps to do it by by hand. Um, if you can touch type, you can close your eyes and just type freely, but just let yourself write anything, spell it wrong, use your most wild, strange language you know, unique little things that only you've thought of and let that be your draft. And only then you can go back and you can edit that and make it into sentences and spelling, do the spelling check and all of that stuff. If you try to do it at once, both at once, you're like sort of warring with, it's from two different sides of the brain. Um, You're kind of at war with yourself and you're, and you're slowing down that creative flow so much. I mean, it can be done, but it's, it's slowing it down. It's really frustrating. And and also you're you're going to end up sounding generic, which is what you don't want. Like say you're a Reiki healer and you want to write a book on Reiki and you're already like, yeah, there's like a thousand books on Reiki. What is mine going to, you know, how will mine be different? The way yours will be different is your own unique story, experiences, your just your your preferences, your lens on the world. You know, you can bring something forth that is something that people will want to read, mm. but you can't do that by making it sound like the Reiki textbook. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, I love this. I, I, your tip is beautiful, my friend. And I, I shared this with you when we had our pre-chat, but I uh, I intuitively started doing that with, with my book. And uh, I just want to share a few things here. I'm going I'm to give an example of my process, but before I do, I would say an extra thing that I would add into what you just shared around you know, adding in your story, your preferences, your words. It's also, and and this is for all the light workers listening, the healers listening, you're also adding in your frequency to the words. Yes. But if you if you're and we're gonna speak about this with meditation, but when you read something, you're not if it's if it's very uh spiritual based, there is going to be a frequency behind the words themselves. And if you're very intentional with what you're writing, the reader can pick up on that. Whether mm. they are consciously aware of it or not, they will pick up on the frequency of the word. So I just share this because this is, I want to get your thoughts on this, Nikki, but this this has really helped me overcome that limiting belief of uh, who am I? What am, why, how am I different? Well, we're all different. We're all unique. We all have a unique frequency and we can add that to the words that we write. Do you agree yeah. with that? I do. And I have a framework that um, I use that comes from um, an uh, author named Starhawk, who is in the um, from California in the US. And I started reading right around in college when I was sort of discovering, oh, wait, there's a name for what my spirituality is. And, And so I read her book, The Spiral Dance. And in that she talks about this framework, and I use this now with with clients um, of the triple self. So if you're familiar with the traditional psychological model, there's the, the ego and the id and the superego. This is sort of a her take on it. And so the, the first part is talking self and talking self is like the ego. That's like, I think of it as up here in the brain. It's like, oh, us listing out our things to do da, 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 or talking to each other. And then when you drop down, there's younger self. 
Uh, I had a I have a client who um, had a very very difficult childhood, and she said, "I don't resonate with younger self because that doesn't feel safe." But younger self is how she put it for Carl Jung. I like <laughs> so that. it's that, I like that yeah, it's that part of us that's connected with the childlike wonder, the sensuality, you know, the things that you can feel and hear and touch and smell and see. And um, that part of ourself is like that right brain part that likes to play with, you know, this is why in ritual we do, we have candles and crystals and wands and it's like the sensual part. And then dropping down again into your hara, into your abdomen somewhere, the gut, the gut knowing, the intuition, there's a connection with your deep self. And Starhawk said, deep self is the part of us that is beyond the physical. Like it's on, it's across the veil. It's like the part that where we're plugged into the rest of the cosmos. And the tricky part is that talking self and deep self don't speak the same language. They, they require younger self to provide some translation. Yes. Yes. So when you can get into that playful zone of just drafting your book or, or whatever, you're getting plugged in with deep self and deep self, I think would be from whence comes all the energy and the frequency and the uniqueness, you know, that comes through um, writing or any kind of creativity is kind of like channeling. Yeah. So, oh, you yeah, just, yeah, you just, yeah, you yeah, just yeah, picked up exactly where I want to go next year. So this yeah. is, I mean, this is, leads into my example that I want to give here. <clears throat> And this was such a game changer for me in terms of my book that I'm birthing, right? And and uh, for such a long time, there was so many limiting beliefs around this. And we're going to talk about this later in terms of shadow work. But the thing that I've been practicing, and this is the example I want to give, is I've been, before I've been writing, I've been dropping into meditation and with the intention of, opening my channel and it takes 10, 10, 15 minutes. And then once the channel is open, then I've actually been using another shift that I've made is instead of just writing on the, on the laptop, I've actually been using a voice to speak app, a um, voice to words app, a dictating app, and then just been, just been speaking, speaking the channel that's coming through. And then that's the words that are on the paper. So, and that's, you know, I completed my first draft you know, in a ridiculously amount of, you know, short amount of time. And it's because one of the meditation and two, I shifted it to a way that is unique to my soul that felt good for me. So I'm wondering, my friend, if you can speak to the power here of meditation in, in one, opening the channel, but two, specifically in regards to the writing process. Yeah, I, I feel like meditation is a way of getting beyond the surface thoughts and the worries and the talking self kind of part of your brain. So um, another framework from another um, well-known writer, the artist's way, Julia Cameron, is the morning pages. So just write three pages, don't even pay attention to what you're writing about. It clears the well, <laughs> and then you can go deeper. And I feel like meditation is definitely a way to do that. And I love how you adapted what you, you know, people think of writing and they either think of, you know, typing um, sometimes laboriously, you mm. know, on a computer or a typewriter, or they think of, I have to write it all out longhand, you know, and it's very laborious. But I've had several clients who have sort of adapted that in many ways. One loves longhand and found this device where she could do that on an electronic device and it would, yeah. you know, upload. Um, another client, um, actually a friend of yours, Jennifer Elizabeth Moore, speaks hers as well and records that and has it, you know, transcribed. So um, I love the adaptations of-, of Yeah, and that goes, that goes back to the channel, right? That goes back to, yeah. you know, yeah. we're all channels, but the way in mm -hmm. which our channel is expressed with the 3D world will be different, right? So- some of us are really good at that channeling in the with the typing. Some of us are really good at the speaking, right? Some of us are really good. So it's you know I could <laughs> I could just foresee in the future a technology that comes out that that takes the physical somatic movement, right? Because people speak through their movement too. Yeah. They channel through their movement. So maybe there's or a like the subvocal as yeah. the subvocal things like the David Brin novel that has the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So lots of ways. I I just. Mm. I share this with people listening that there is no one way. There is your way and you need to lean into that, right? Yes. Let's go, go, Nikki. Well, if you get stuck, if someone listening gets stuck on the whole channeling thing for a long time, I thought, you know, I was a fan of the Seth books, Jane Roberts, and I was like, oh, I can't do that. That's something awesome that she can do. And I, I just got sort of stuck on channeling and it's just 
thing. Think of it in a different way. Um, think of it as the zone. Like if you're into some kind of, it's usually talked about with sports, but it can be really any creative activity. If you get into the zone and your time flies by and you're just doing your thing, you're painting or you're whatever your creative thing is, or you're running, that is this very similar vibe as the channeling. So it might just be another entrance for people who are worried well about channeling. <laughs> yeah, well done. That's the same same thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. Yeah. My first my first limiting belief to break is the creation. The second is that only certain people channel. No, yeah. we all we all channel. We're, we all do. We, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, just most of us are channeling our wounds, which is which segues beautifully into my next question here around you know this book birthing process, this creation process, isn't is it like a, a linear line of I'm doing it, I got it done, and then we're good to go. Let's get it published. No, there are some beautiful shadows and and you know dark pieces of ourselves, wounded pieces of ourselves that come up along this journey to be seen. So I'm wondering if you could speak to Nikki the role of shadow work within this this book birthing process. Absolutely. When I work with clients, I call this the resistance. And I say, you know, if you were able to just write this book on your own, you wouldn't need me. You'd be just out there doing it. So there's some kind of resistance that comes up. And there are a lot of clues to it. Sometimes we don't know what it is at first. And that's, you know, it's in the shadow. Shadow, shadow parts of ourselves are just parts of ourselves that, like you said, were wounded or went through trauma or and when I say trauma, I mean it could just be like for me, I was a shy child and in school that was you know, I was picked on and, you know, pointed out and that was so trauma might not. There's a spectrum of trauma, right? <laughs> you know, there's I wasn't big, abused or bullied tea, or picked, you know, beat big up. Tea, big but, T and little yeah. T trauma. Yeah. yeah. So even these all these little T traumas that we go through in life that we all go through um, become part of us that is hidden. And because it's hidden, it has some sort of power to influence us. And that often shows up as procrastination. Um, being too busy to do. I want to write a book, but I'm just too busy. And th that just means you're not prioritizing it, right? Because we all have the same amount of time. <laughs> um, yeah, those are the most, probably the most common. And then, you know, the self-doubt, like who yeah. am I? You, you alluded to it earlier. Who am I That's to a big one. do this? Yeah, yeah, that's very common. And it's so, it's common among every, like yes. everyone. Everyone has this, you know, that Stephen King and, you know, the people that are quite well known still have limiting beliefs and, and shadows. But what we can do to work with that resistance is, and the biggest thing that I've found in my own personal work that helps me with my shadows is to shine light on them. Because what they really want is to be seen, to be acknowledged. And from there, that's almost, I mean, there's other things you can do to integrate the energy, but really that's like the biggest thing is to, to see it. And to, as my, <laughs> I have this wonderful witchy business coach and, and as she says, you know, it gets to be heard and seen, and then it sits in the back seat. It's not driving the car. You're, you know, your, your spirit, your higher self is driving the car, <laughs> you yeah. know, not the shadow. Um, I want to share, I want to share two <laughs> quotes with you here, Nikki, to mm -hmm. highlight this beautiful process you're talking about. Uh, have you heard of Greg Braden, have you have you read any of mm -hmm. Greg Braden's work? So Greg mm -hmm. Braden has a beautiful manifesting quote that I've talked about on the show before, and it's the act the act of observation is an act of creation unto itself. So mm. what that means is exactly what you're saying by purely lovingly observing the shadow in all of its denseness, in all of its pain, as all of its trauma you looking at it, you observing it as that observer state, as that big self, that that deep self, as you were talking about before, mm -hmm. then that in itself could be enough to just let it come back into the light. But yeah. then I had another quote here, and this is something I do with clients, is I call it holding the child. So seeing that shadow as you would a th physical 3D child in your world, and like any other child, how do you treat that shadow. You don't push it away. You don't ignore it. You don't tell it mm -hmm. to hurry up. You hold it in a space of unconditional love so it can move through what it needs to move through. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, 
someone's listening who hasn't yet done much shadow work or is just starting it, oftentimes we think, oh yeah, I'm going to do my shadow work and I'll be all done and I'll, it'll be perfect and I'll never have to go through this again. And I, that's not, in my experience, that's not true. But let me give you a little quick example of what the difference is. The difference is if you wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and you're freaked out and worried about something and you're really in it and it's just hard to deal with, hard to go back to sleep, that's you know one phase, say. Nowadays, like I've done a bunch of shadow work, especially in the past like seven years or so, I wake up in the night with that worry and I recognize, oh, that's that thing. And then I have my tools where I can, like you're saying, hold it, shine light on it, you know, do the do the work. Um, and so it's you still get those things happening. Life still goes on. There's still struggles, but you have a you've cultivated an awareness. And that's true for the writing process. So as you're writing your book, you're going to start off not knowing what's going on. And then we're going to work together and, you know, the on the resistance or, or you're going to find a way to this on your own, whatever. And then as you work through it, you're going to notice when, oh, I haven't done my writing this week. In, and instead of saying, I'm just too busy, you say, oh, what's going on? Let's take a look. <laughs> and you just shine that light. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Oh, I'm feeling um, maybe underconfident in this part of the book, and, you know, this technical piece that I want to write. I'm feeling, you know, doubt. And yeah. so that's why I'm not writing or whatever it is. It yeah. comes It comes back in different forms. I have a, just to share an anecdote from my experience, the, the I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough story and shadow came up before writing the book came up in one form came up during the book and now is coming out in the sort of <laughs> in the editing and getting it out into the world stage and it's different same sort of core story a different flavor and it's exactly what you're saying there's never going to be a moment where there is no shadow or pain in our lives what changes is our tool set our medicine bag and the muscle that we build to move through it right and I just want to give another example here because you talked about at the start a bit of your story around, uh, you know, connecting into pagan and, and and naturalistic sort of spirituality. We have our wounds that are in this lifetime, right? We have our in our a, a, adult, our adolescent, our inner child wounds. But then another example I would give here, maybe you can speak to this, my friend, is we then have our ancestral and or past life wounds, right? Our our witch wounds, our right. Atlantis wounds, right? So maybe speak to that. What, 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 does that resonate with you, my friend? It does. And um, I think one way in which I was influenced by that is um, ancestral wounding around uh, lack and money, lack of money, you know, um, poverty consciousness. And so in high school, I was like, I wanted to be a writer all along. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer. I listened really intently to the voices saying, you can't make a living doing that. It's very rare. You're going, you know, you'll starve, you know, <laughs> like it's very melodramatic. You'll starve and die, you know? And so for many years, I put away that, I, that I had a whole first career in public radio um, that started because, okay, you know, can't make a living being a writer of books, maybe a journalist. Okay, journalism was just a little too, the deadlines were too hard on my nervous system, couldn't really go there. Okay, broadcasting and the behind the scenes and ended up working in public radio, which was awesome. The people were great. It was an ethical career. It was, like it was lovely, but there was a part of me that knew it wasn't my calling. And I just mm -hmm. kept getting these these taps on the shoulder by the muses and then not so mm -hmm. insistent. I mean, not so, not so gentle, you know, insistent taps. Um, and so I think our our wounding ancestrally and, and past life is also paired with a calling that we're bringing through, a through line for our different lives that is going to tug at us until we start to do yes, something about so it. Happy, so, yeah. so happy you point that out because with, it's so easy for us to focus in on just the shadow and just the pain, uh, but we're never yeah. asking what's behind the shadow, what's behind the pain, what mm. what is on top of that it, that deep-seated trauma that is waiting to be birthed right it's it's and i i say this from my own journey it's so easy for us to get stuck in the doing of the healing and that's powerful but what is the healing allowing us to do what is it allowing us to birth what is it allowing us to step into within the world right so 
Yeah. And what do we have to give the world yes. that only that we are the yes. only one who has, you know, we're the only unique incarnation who yes. can give this this frequency, this flavor. <laughs> I love it. Nikki, yeah. I'm really enjoying this conversation. You're a you're a beautiful soul, my friend. I I want to ask and the question here, practical question for, for myself and people listening, is how do we how do we build a writing habit? Right. And I I found a way that worked for me. But I'm wondering if you could speak to this in general for people tuning in, you know, that want to birth and channel this love and book into the world. You know, building a writing habit is very important. So where do we start with that? We start with younger self. So mm-hmm. I'm glad of like giving you the framework because what I like to to have people start with is the playful aspect of this. So um making it a ritual. You know, a habit is great. And there's a lot of um research on, you know, how long it takes to form a habit, da, 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 all this stuff. But let's switch the word to ritual because that like that will attract us. Okay, what do we want to have in place to make us feel like I get to write? rather than I have to write. So um, I advise people to ha- make a playlist of music that they, you know, instrumental usually, so it doesn't like get in the words, don't get in the way, but music that uplifts them. Um, have your favorite beverage. I mean, it's winter here in Maine, so your favorite hot tea or cocoa or whatever. Um, if it's summer, you know, iced version. Um, have those things that really appeal to the senses. Have beautiful things around you. Um, you know, candles, crystals, flowers, whatever it is for you. Have colors that please you around you. And so, and you know, there's a there's a dance here to like, oh, I have to have my own office just to write. No, you do not. <laughs> there are ways to, to bring this into your life, no matter your circumstances. And nature is often one, you know, when the weather permits going outside with a notebook or a recorder or whatever. Um, but just to make it a pleasing, pleasurable, sensual experience. And then when you first start, most people are like, okay, I'm going to work with you and I'm going to get up every morning before work every morning. And I'm going to write for an hour. And I'm like, whoa, 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 rain it back, rain it back. That's too ambitious. Like rain it back. Let's say, how about three times a week? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and how about keeping in mind your biorhythms? If you've never been a morning person and now you're going to get up at 6 a.m. and write, let's not do that. Let's say, how can we bring this into a place in your life that works with your own biorhythms? Um, when do you feel most creative in your day? Okay, it might be it might be in the morning, but it might be in the afternoon or in the evening, you know? So just you know, like fitting it into your existing lifestyle is way better than trying to, you know. That's the piece that really helped me the most. So first of all, I'm happy that you... I think the divine feminine aspects that you were talking about of the the connecting, the feeling, the being comfortable, the childlike is you know that part of my day. But I think I do. I think for me, what was more important was the masculine elements that you just talked about of one being practical with what's going to work with your current schedule, right? It's not about dropping everything and making this a priority, right? If you can do that go for it. But most of us can't, I couldn't. Right. So what I did, and it's exactly the example that you gave was I allocated 15 to 20 minutes within my day. That's all. Not even like if that, and I scheduled it in and I just, I showed up and did it. And, and I, I did it at a time of the day, like you beautifully highlighted that was in the middle of my day. Wasn't at the peak, wasn't at the end where I've been drained, but it was in the middle. And I could just show up, be there for a little bit of time and then continue with the day. And I think another piece I would add to this is what also helped me is, again, the masculine element was celebrating and, and, and noticing my progression. Right? So what I would do is I would see, I would, I would, at the end of the writing, I would look at how much I'd written and that would give me that beautiful sense of accomplishment. It's like, oh, even though I'm only doing 15 minutes, something is birthing here. Does that yeah. do you do you resonate with those pieces, my friend? Yes. And that brings to mind two things, one of which is accountability. So having someone, you know, if someone's working with me, I'm that for them. I'm touching in. How did it go with your sessions? How are you feeling? How um, but you can even if you want to do this on your own, just pick a, a friend and agree to check in with each other once a week. You know, having some count, accountability outside yourself is really important. And another thing I love to use for those who resonates with now, some will be turned off by this. That's fine. But if it resonates with you. 
establish a word count goal. We don't do page counts because page sizes are going to differ really wildly depending on how you're doing it. But word counts, you can start to note, start by writing and seeing what happens. Use a, you know, some kind of tool where you can count the words or the computer can and say, oh, every time I sit down to write, I'm writing about a thousand words. Okay. That means I can then, if I'm going to do it three times a week, I can write 3000 words a week and just kind of, um, you know, build to that. And you can look up you know, the type of book that you're writing and on the, just Google it and you go, how long is a blah, 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 you know, novel or whatever, and just make a goal and yeah, make a goal. It actually doesn't matter really exactly how many words your novel is, but it's a, it's like a target. No, it's a good target. Yeah. So, uh, this yeah. is so interesting, Nikki, and talking to you, I, it's funny talking to you after this because I've been. I, that's what I did intuitively. I did that nice. exact process yep. that you just did. I looked up someone in my niche. I looked at their word count, set that as the goal, and then each time I sat down, I was like, "Oh, I'm making my way." And that's what you that's see. what could do it. Yeah. So it's. I just. I just want to affirm Nikki's beautiful point there that it's. It's effective. It works, and it's about applying this to your situation. And and I do just want to highlight: we need those elements. And in my opinion, and the feminine pieces, right? I I did my, I, you can't see with my background here, but I'm on my bed and my I have a little meditation mat. And that's, I actively went to that space to tune into the frequency of my channel. And these are all the feminine pieces to then do the, get the stuff done, which, which flows beautifully now into another question I want to ask you here, my friend, is what is the role of intention? within this writing process? Where does intention come into the this birthing of this beautiful book that we wish to share with the world? That's the very first piece that we start with when I work yeah. with someone, it's the intention. And the intention is twofold. So there's the intention, what do you want this book to do for your readers? And what do you want writing this book to do for you? So there's kind of two pieces and both are important because the intention around what you want to deliver to the readers is going to be a good touchstone for what you're writing, what your content is, and your goal for what you want it to do for you is a great touchstone for when things get hard and you're like, why am I even doing this? Why? I don't want to do this anymore to go back to that. Oh, wait, when I, when my book is out there in the world, you know, more people will will find this tool or this wisdom I have to share and my audience will be bigger or I'll help more people or I'll make more money, whatever it is for you. And then, you know, have, having the intention, the, the twofold intention is a wonderful anchor when you, when things get rough, because, you know, it will, it's like, you know, the analogy of birth again, you're going to, you're going to end up with a, uh, chances are a beautiful, healthy child, but there will be some pain. There will be mm. moments where you're like, oh, just get it over with. <laughs> you know. Mm. So yeah. this, this brings up an interesting point here and I want to get your reflections on it. And it's this idea of what is the goal that we are attaching to the book? And I referenced Greg Braden before, and I've done episodes on a lot of his work and the idea of how do we truly manifest? And in my experience, the way that we manifest is by creating goals that are heart-based rather than ego-based, right? So you you gave a couple there and, and, and I just want to put it a distinction. I would say that, you know, a money-based goal or a fame-based goal, that's a, that's an ego, ego. that's like mm -hmm. an ego goal versus mm -hmm. if I'm creating and birthing this book, to connect to people, to support people, to bring people together, right? Now this is a heart-based goal. So I'm wondering if you could speak to this, Nikki, in terms of, you know, creating this book, is is this important with where, when we do get it out there into the world and the process of it sort of being shared around? Well, I'm smiling because I have had a couple of my my clients come back to me and say, you know, you're saying that you're going to help us write a book, but really that you're helping us like open up to creativity that's rippling out into all different areas of our life. So I think really when you, you when you're called to write a book, the calling's coming from deep self. Deep self is connected with the knowing that you're going to learn so much. You're going to serve people. You're going to learn new creative ways of being in other areas of your life. I mean, that's kind of the the umbrella. But so you might come into it with a, a audience go, okay, I want to increase my audience tenfold and I'm going to put a book out and this will do this for me. 
but it's going to evolve. And almost, I would say like nine out of 10 people who are writing their first book and often they don't want to be a writer. They just want, like, they have this awesome thing they want to share with the world. But in the process of writing this book, they're like, Nikki, I had an idea for another book. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, I know, because that's your, cre- you've opened that creative connection, that wellspring that's in deep self. And then, you know, it's unlimited. It's unlimited. And, the, and, and oftentimes when we first begin being creative or when we're limiting our creativity, we're very, very, what I call very precious about this is my book and I don't want to really share it with anybody yet because somebody might steal my idea and you know this is really important and and as you write and explore and increase your creativity you you come to realize you don't need to be precious about it it's never ending <laughs> the flow of creativity is never ending if someone yeah. stole all my books I'd be like I'll just write some more you know yeah. at this point at this point you know so. uh, well and, and it hits on <laughs> it's just laughing <laughs> Because I've, I've definitely fell into that, fallen into that limiting belief, and the way that I've helped myself out of it, which connects to what you're saying, going back to what we spoke to previously, the words aren't the thing that's important; it's the frequency behind them, and that frequency is yours. Right? No, no one, one can take no it. one can take that. <laughs> yeah. So even if, let's use your yeah. example, Nikki, if even if someone, you know, took your book and then put their name on it it would be different. It would yeah. be different because they've. it doesn't have your frequency anymore and now it has their frequency. And again, whether people are consciously aware of it or not, people pick up on that. People connect to that. So it's, yeah, I cannot, I cannot expand on this more because this also breaks us through the imposter syndrome too, right? This imposter syndrome of who am I, going again to what you said earlier of, who am I to add to this niche that has so many tens of thousands of books? Well, who are you not to? Your unique frequency is unique, right? And even if there is a million books, that frequency behind the subject, the, the topic, the title, it cannot be replicated and you deserve to share that with the world. Yes. And the more that you are doing your writing, you're teaching yourself to have that writing ritual that's meaningful. You meditate, you get aligned. The more that you do that, you know, the better. There's, there's kind of a twofold thing going on. The the more you practice, the better your writing is going to be, right? I guess, you, you know, you would say that's the masculine thing to practice the skill and you'll get better. But also the more you connect with your deep self, the more powerful that writing is going to be because it's more authentic. You know, it's, it's the true you coming out. It's not writing for, I guess that's the difference too with the writing we did for school. The writing we did for school is to get an A or to, you know, like to the, the, the teacher's approval. Yeah. To have, and the writing we do from the deep self is just, you know, what's coming through and being lived through us. And that's why it's not, it becomes more about the, the more than just the writing. It becomes the living of this creative process and, you know, how it ripples outward into our, our lives. I'm so excited, Nikki. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to get back to the process now. Um, I have a, a couple more questions for you here before we wrap up, my friend. And where I want to sort of land this is pulling a bit more out of your beautiful mind and heart. I'm wondering if you could speak to any other misconceptions people have with birthing a book. Right? We've spoken about the shadow work. We've spoken about meditation and intention and and the writing habits. What are some other misconceptions, if there are any, that people have around birthing a book that you want to share with people listening? I don't really believe in writer's block or not as such. I do believe that there is this point at which you can get stuck and you can be staring at a blank page and thinking that you don't have anything to say or you lost your way. But there are so many ways of getting around that. I, I read of you know other writers who even have had you know commercial success or whatever, and then they've said, oh I can't I'm, I've got writer's block, and that's one of those limiting beliefs. And so I like to help people who are feeling stuck um, with ways to get out of that. So uh, one way is to have another unrelated writing project or a journal or something that's completely separate that you can then like you're sitting down. This is my writing session, and I just can't work on the book. I'm blocked write a journal entry, start a story, write a you know piece of fiction that's not even for anyone but yourself. Just start and start and let that energy get you into the doorway again. Another thing is to have a different creative 
uh, form that you play around with. So in my in my example, writing is my primary like creative thing, but I also do two things that really somehow magically in the brain and the in the psyche help me help my writing flow. And one is drumming, hand drumming, drumming on a djembe. Uh, I was in a performance troupe for a little while, and I'm not now. It's just a hobby now. But it's like if I drum and play around, it something frees up, you know, and it flows. And the other is art journaling. And I don't, I've never taken art classes. It wasn't really my thing, but just playing with like collage and cutting out and like doodling and playing with that physical art journal frees up my creativity in a different way. So if you can have a hobby or just something that you're exploring, um, that if you feel blocked with, with one means of, of uh, one media, you can just go to a different one. Yeah. And play but, around. Uh, I have a term that I use in my work, my friend called the sacral, the sacral tree. And the sacral tree is your sacral chakra. And it has, it's the, that is the root and the trunk of the tree. And then up in the branches are all the different outlets in which creation is inspired. So whether it be our writing, whether it be our childlike play, whether it be the instruments, the other expression, all of those branches can cultivate the sacral tree, the creation energy that we're made of, right? So it's exactly what you're saying. And I I do want to add a one that I practice, and this is a bit, bit raunchy here, but connecting into your sensual energy, your sexual energy, right? Whether it's with a partner. That's creative, yes, right? I mean, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, either with a partner or yourself, right? That. Mm that sensual energy is also connected to that creation energy. So if you're, and it's funny, I never, I didn't, I didn't experience the block, but if you are experiencing that, then use this, use the sacral sensual nature as well, right? I open up yeah. that pleasurable space and that yeah. creation flows. Yeah. And similarly to that, that just reminds me too of movement, go for a walk in the woods, go for a swim, um, do yoga poses, you know, yeah. Just getting, letting things move. That feels similar to the the sensuality piece, you know, and letting it flow. <laughs> My beautiful friend, I have one question, one last question for you. But before we get to that, if people have been pulled to your powerful heart and soul and the work that you do in the world, whether it be through your coaching, whether it be through your books that you've authored, where do you want to point people towards if they want to get in touch and and learn more about you? If you're interested in the um, writing coaching and the retreats, I also lead writing retreats, then NikkiStarcatShields.com is my website for that. If you're interested in more of the spiritual pagany things, I have a blog, StarcatsCorner.com. Um, and both of those have on the sidebar my books, if you're curious about those. And just to clarify, because I think this is helpful for people to know, you both, you do one-on-one -on -one work with the with the birthing process and you also do group work too right correct yes i have a group program called the sacred path which is nine months it mm. goes with the the birth metaphor and i do one-on-one -on -one coaching um as well and then the retreats i have quarterly virtual retreats um so it's like a weekend from the comfort of your own home and then i have um currently one in-person retreat here in maine but i'm going to be offering others um but i have one in the summertime in july so <laughs> Yeah. I just, I just put this dot dot together. I'm just interested. Uh, just before I say share that for people, mm -hmm. uh, for people always listeners out there, if you want to find out about all those things that Nikki just highlighted, uh, you you go to your show details, show notes of your podcast plan. You'll see all the links, and I'll put all of it there. But uh, Nikki, just a question before my last question: uh, have, have you connected to Stephen King at all? Have you have you? I know he's in he lives <laughs> in Maine, right? He does. We used to live uh, when I was just out of college. We used to live uh, around the the corner from him, and I would go and his house is really cool looking, and you know, just kind of like rollerblade by, kind of you know. Like, um, and his, um, I worked for Maine Public Radio for many years, and his wife Tabitha was on the board, so I had met her and briefly interacted with them. But um, no, we're not friends yet. Yeah, not yet, not yet. We'll manifest not yet. it. Uh, it's probably I don't like saying regret or or feeling judgment but that was if i did have a regret when i was studying at maine i had the opportunity to go see him at a, a lecture and oh. for whatever reason i didn't take it but um oh he's great I just, yeah i just think you know he's a he's a, yeah. he's a powerful example of everything we've been talking about today right and his book on writing is very good 
Yeah, I'll have to yeah. check it out. Yeah. Nikki, my final question for you here as we wrap up. This is the cosmic love antenna. And for me as a little boy, I was very dis- disillusioned with God being a man on a cloud that is outside of me. And I became atheist. And then how I reconnected back to my spiritual higher power was remembering that for me, God is love. Love is God. Love is my higher power. So I'm wondering, Nikki, in your world, how do you personally define that love word? Define love. Yeah, love is what everything is made of. Um, For me, the, the ultimate beingness of the divine is that it's everything, all energy and all love. And then for me personally, I connect very deeply with goddesses. And because I think it's in reaction to that, you know, God is a, is a, a white male angry person, you know, and so I connect with the the goddess archetypes and the goddess energy because this like that all embracing mother's love, or, you know, there's the the triple goddess, there's the the maiden who's that sensual, beautiful, flowing energy. There's the mother who is unconditional love, and there's the crone who can be stern but has all this wisdom, and I just adore her. <laughs> all of them <laughs> the, the stages of love and the expansion that it grows into mm. nikki i love you very much thank you for spending your time with me today thank you for sharing your energy and your wisdom i hope this gave some guidance and some deeper understandings and rememberings to all of you beautiful souls out there in the listening world if it did please share this far and wide with a family member a lover or a friend you can support but until next time here on the show we send you love we send you light and we'll see you very soon Bye, everyone. Before I leave you today, beautiful beings, I'm so excited to share a special announcement just with you. On the 20th to the 23rd of April, 2023, I and a fellow guest of the show, the beautiful Ali Paws, will be hosting live in Tulum, Mexico, the Cosmic Heart Tour. And I have Ali here with me now in this moment. Ali, I wanted to ask you from my heart to yours, why? Should the beautiful souls listening come and join us in Mexico? Hmm. Well, when I hear Tulum, Mexico, well, I guess it's a yes for me, no matter what, because the re- I, I feel like a lot of us in the last, you know, it's been a couple years since we've been through this traumatic, whatever you want to call it. And also those in the Northern he- Hemisphere, particularly Canada, has really long, hardcore winters and it can be cold and lonely. And I think where a lot of us are craving this community and this healing sacred space and travel. I haven't traveled in so long. So the fact that we met on Clubhouse like two years ago and the people listening to us in our rooms, our events have now connected with us and we have the opportunity to meet and share our gifts together in a a beautiful place in Tulum, Mexico is unbelievable to me. I'm just to the moon. So there's a lot of different reasons. Um, Those are what I'm excited about as well as being able to share what I call my medicine that has helped me, which is the yoga, the meditation, the craniosacral and our book that we're birthing. So I think there's a lot of little gifts and nuggets people can get from this experience. Um, I've been doing retreats since 2014. And this healing immersive experience is I know the power behind them. I know what goes into them. I know what people get out of them. Um, So I'm just excited for whoever's coming, really. I mean, I'm excited to be actually facilitating something live because I've been doing everything online. Um, and the fact that I can be with you, my dear friend, I'm ecstatic about it. So I invite you to join us in Mexico. Join us for some meditations, activations, yoga, cranial sacral therapy, a book release, a live Q&A, poetry, and so much more. These spots are going to fill up super quick because our intention is to make this exclusive and intimate. So please DM me Cosmic Heart Tour on any of my social channels. That's Cosmic Heart Tour on any of my 
social channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and we'll book in a meeting so you can join the love. I'm so excited to connect with you in the flesh. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gained value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify star feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. I host the rock podcast back to the arena the interviews it's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music you can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify Apple Google iHeartRadio and more if you're a rock fan like me subscribe today to back to the arena the interviews electric acid Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.